Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 95. The coin slipped down to a front palm position. It felt natural there, held between his forefinger and his little finger at the slightest of pressure. Smoothly done, said Wednesday. I'm just learning, said Shadow. I can do a lot of the technical stuff. The hardest part is making people look at the wrong hand. Is that so? Yes, said Shadow. It's called misdirection. He slipped his middle fingers under the coin, pushing it out into a back palm, and fumbled his grip on it ever so slightly. The coin dropped from his hand to the stairwell with a clatter, and bounced down half a flight of stairs. Wednesday reached down and picked it up. You cannot afford to be careless with people's gifts, said Wednesday. Something like this, you need to hang on to it. Don't go throwing it about. He examined the coin, looking first at the eagle side, then at the face of Liberty on the obverse. Ah, Lady Liberty, beautiful, is she not? He tossed the coin to Shadow, who picked it from the air, did a slide vanish, seeming to drop it into his left hand while actually keeping it in his right, and then appeared to pocket it with his left hand. The coin sat in the palm of his right hand in plain view. It felt comforting there. Lady Liberty, said Wednesday, like so many of the gods that Americans hold dear, a foreigner. In this case, a French woman, although in deference to American sensibilities, the French covered up her magnificent bosom on that statue they presented to New York. Liberty, he continued, wrinkling his nose at the used condom that lay on the bottom flight of steps, towing it to the side of the stairs with distaste. Someone could slip on that. Break their necks, he muttered, interrupting himself, like a banana peel, only with bad taste and irony thrown in. He pushed open the door, and the sunlight hit them. The world outside was colder than it had looked from indoors. Shadow wondered if there was more snow to come. Liberty, boomed Wednesday as they walked to his car, is a bitch who must be bedded on a mattress of corpses. Yeah, said Shadow. Quoting, said Wednesday. Quoting someone French. That's who they have a statue to in their harbor, a bitch who likes to be fucked on the refuse of the tumbrel. Hold your torch as high as you. And that's our page. Shadow continues to manipulate the coin as we start the new page. There's some irony shown here, not the end of it on the page either, of Shadow attempting to school Wednesday on the art of misdirection. Not only is Wednesday already quite an expert at it, given his history as a hustler and a con man, but within the context of the novel, he's engaging in some literal god-tier misdirection that we won't really be able to appreciate until the later chapters of the novel. Shadow's still getting used to the coin's weight and drops it as he's trying to palm it, and Wednesday cautions him to be more careful with gifts. At this point, Shadow hasn't told Wednesday what he did with Sweeney's coin, at least presumably, and Wednesday wouldn't really know about it. However, Wednesday does have his ravens, so it's entirely possible that he does know about it, and this is sort of an admonition of that. It does reflect... Laura's words about Sweeney's coin, she doesn't call it a gift, she calls it a present, but it's similar. We can discuss Wednesday's assertion that liberty is a god in America, or a goddess, I suppose, in this case. I think there's a a bit of truth to the statement. It's at least partly true. There's There's liberty on a lot of things in the country. Monuments and statues, like the Statue of Liberty, there's liberty on money, both the word and the goddess. And it's in the mouths of pretty much every politician. And it's hard to say what exactly is or isn't a god in the in the country 
proper. However, in the context of the novel, I don't know that Liberty is ever presented as a as a literal goddess, unlike the other gods and goddesses we meet. I don't believe she gets her own section or her own appearance that I can remember. It has been some time. I think Liberty is speaking more about the world as we know it instead of the world of the novel. The Statue of Liberty, based on Libertas, the Roman goddess whose Greek equivalent was Eleutheria. Symbols of Libertas included a felt cap known as Apileus, as well as a rod known as Vindica, which does sound suspiciously close to Vindication, or even Invictus from the previous page. He's talking about the Statue of Liberty, of course. A gift from France, as he mentions, and the second mention of a gift on the page. is made of copper. The statue was designed by Frederick August Bartholdi and built by Gustav Eiffel, whose name sounds probably familiar to most of you. Dedicated on October 28, 1886, the Statue of Liberty sits on Liberty Island in New York Bay, technically part of Manhattan. Now... There's a whole weird history to the various islands in and around Manhattan and New York City. Uh, But Liberty Island was known as Bedloe's Island until being renamed in 1956. And there's there's a lot of relations to the book here. Uh, Liberty Island and the Statue of Liberty are visible from Ellis Island, where millions of immigrants were processed on their way to becoming U.S. citizens. The island itself, though, changed hands over the years. It began as uh, a native island, of course, uh, the Lenape native tribe. It was taken by the Dutch and became British property then in 1664. It was used several times as a smallpox quarantine station until it was seized by the New York State government in 1800 to be used as a defensive fort known as Fort Wood following the War of 1812. It goes on and on. There's a lot of back and forth over who owns it, who who was able to live there or not. I think there's a certain amount of, I don't want to say irony again because it's not quite irony, but to place the Statue of Liberty on what used to be the disease-ridden grounds of a smallpox quarantine zone, that's that's something else, and I think it's kind of funny, especially in light of the novel and in light of the discussion Wednesday is having on the page. Wednesday's quote about liberty being bedded on a pile of corpses is used in Sandman in the issue Thermidor, and it's the first place I saw it, attributed to Louis-Antoine Saint-Just in year two of the French Republican calendar, which was used after the French Revolution, the year would have been 1793 or perhaps 1794 as years ran between September 22nd and September 21st and had 10-day weeks. There's a lot of references to the quote online. Uh, like I said, Sandman gets a lot of the references, but there's a lot of just generally attributed but unattributed quotes. And I couldn't find a direct reference to it. I couldn't find anything on Google Books or anywhere else that convinced me that it was something he wrote or said aloud, especially because once you take out the references to Gaiman's works and the references to the TV series Penny Dreadful, you get a lot of generally unsourced blogs or photo quotes or similar things. It's not entirely out of line with what St. Just might have said. Uh, He was a young political leader 
at the time of the French Revolution, what then became known as the Reign of Terror. When he took office, though, he was only 25, and he was known as the Angel of Death. He was arrested and executed only two years later, I guess, sick semper tyrannis and all that. Tor.com's reread notes that putting the words of St. Juice in Wednesday's mouth is particularly ironic because the Committee of Public Safety was dedicated to reason as a goal and reason in place of religion and gods and, and religious objects and things. And that's a wonderful observation. So thank you, Bridget McGovern, for that observation that I would not have made because I have a very, very limited knowledge of the French Revolution. I also enjoy that Wednesday himself acknowledges the irony of slipping and dying on a used condom, i.e. a method of birth control. And it's a rare moment of humor for him, although it's always hard to tell when he's being humorous and when he is not. It's definitely a nice change of pace for the sort of disposition he's had thus far. He, I know he did, he laughed at Shadow's discomfort when he meant, when Wednesday asked if he slept with Laura when she shuffled into his room back from the dead. Hmm, I guess he's kind of funny, or at least he's funny to himself, which I can relate to. Finally, a tumbrel is a two-wheeled cart, usually hauled by a single animal, typically an ox or a horse. It was used to bring condemned prisoners to the guillotine during the French Revolution. So Wednesday is using pretty much the most apt version of the term he could use. Comes to English from Old French, tomber, meaning to fall. The word itself goes back to about 1200, and is known also as a ducking stool or a cucking stool takes its name from a criminal offender who would be fastened to the chair or stool and placed in public to be mocked, ridiculed, or otherwise humiliated and pelted, hopefully with rotten fruit and vegetables. On occasion, the person would then be taken to a body of water and dumped in and out of the water in a very medieval method of torture. On that happy note, you can get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetail at gmail.com and on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real.